0: We're in a series entitled Discovering the Divine, and we're looking at encounters that Jesus had with real, everyday people. Now, somehow, we get the idea that these weren't real people because they lived 2,000 years ago. These are real people who had real problems. They met Jesus God, God, the Son of God, Jesus. They met Him personally. And he spoke with them and had an encounter, which means that we can learn from studying these encounters how God treats people and how God helps people. So that's what we're doing. And this is my favorite one. This is the one that when I got the idea, I said, that's the first one I'm going to preach because it's my favorite story in the whole Bible. And the Lord hadn't let me preach it yet until this week. This is the story of the Pharisee and the prostitute. The Pharisee and the prostitute. Luke 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him, very important to notice, she stood behind him. Not like the pictures you see of this. A lot of people have drawn pictures of this or painted pictures. They showed her in front of him. She didn't do it in front of him. She did it behind him. Weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. Now this is Jesus talking now, verse 41. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, to her, this is what he says to the woman now, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, again, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And I said last night, the reason I like this story so much is because it helped Debbie and me. Debbie and I can relate to this a lot. And then I got to thinking, probably doesn't sound good because this is about a Pharisee and a prostitute. <laughs> And so, you know, which one is she and which one am I? Well, you'll find out later how this helped us so much. All right, I'll tell you how it helped us. But there's a Pharisee and a prostitute. These are the two main characters other than the Lord. And then the Lord tells this story of one who owed 50 and one who owed 500. Obviously, he's relating this to the Pharisee and the prostitute, right? And everyone talks about the differences in the story Jesus told. The differences are obvious. One owed 50, one owed 500, one loved little, one loved much. Those are the two differences. We will talk about those differences later. But let me tell you what most people don't talk about, the similarities. There are some similarities in this story that we need to talk about. So first we're going to talk about them. Number one, they both owed. Is that true? They both owed. Owed both of them. Verse 41, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed, 500 denarii. The other, owed, would be the implied verb here. Owed 50. They both owed. A denarii is the plural of denarius. A denarius is a day's wage. Denarii would be more than one denarius. 300 denarii is a year's wage. So one owed, one and two-thirds of a year's wage... Whatever your year's wage is, you can figure that out. If you make 50000 a year, one and two-thirds would be about $83,000. The other one owed one-sixth of a year's wage, which would be about $8,300. do not check out because I used fractions in a message, all right? The point is, one owed more than the other. A lot more. Ten times more. Is that right? But here's the similarity. They both owed. Now, I want you to see this in spiritual terms. We need to realize this. This must be established. Everyone owes. Everyone owes. Romans 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. Watch this again. No, not one. I told you this before, but I really believe the reason God puts the no, not one on the end of this phrase is because he knew we were going to argue. God says there is none righteous. And we say, yeah, but he says, no, not one. No, it's the same thing you have to do with children. I don't want you to do that, but no, no no. No. That's what he's doing here in this whole passage. He's saying there's none who does righteous. No. Not one. There's none who does good. There's none who seeks after God. There's no not one, and he has to say it to us twice. No, not one, because we all want to argue. There's none. There's none. And then if you go on down in Romans 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, from these verses that I just read, let me ask you this. How many, apart from Christ, are righteous? None. And how many have fallen short of the glory or the standard of God? All. Alright, all that's the first thing I want you to notice. Everyone owes. They both owed. Here's the second similarity. They both Couldn't pay. They both couldn't pay. And I want you to notice why they couldn't pay. Verse 42. And when they had nothing, when they had nothing with which to repay. Nothing. The reason they couldn't pay was because they had nothing. The one that owed 50 didn't have 49. That's what I want you to see. The one that owed 50 didn't have 5. The one that owed 50 didn't have one. They had nothing. Every person is bankrupt before God. Every person. You have absolutely nothing you can offer God for your sin. Nothing. Nothing. You can't pay anything. As a matter of fact, there's a verse in the Old Testament most of us know, but most of us misquote it. I have misquoted it for 25 years. This past week is the first time I saw in this verse what I'm about to show you. Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, All our, here's what we misquote, righteousness says. Are, plural, are as filthy rags. All our righteousness says. Only time this is used in the Bible, that word. Did you know that? <laughs> this is amazing. All of it, it always talks about righteousness. This is the only time that the Bible makes it plural. And it's it's plural. All our righteousness says. Here's the way I've quoted that verse in the past. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. You ever heard that? Know what it says. Here's another version. All of our righteous acts are as filthy rags. Now, let's just think about that for a moment. What are some of your righteous acts? Not your bad acts. Not your bad ones. And not your good ones. What are some of your righteous acts? What about prayer? That's a righteous act. Isn't that a good act? Righteous act. Reading your Bible. That's a righteous act. Okay, guess what? All doesn't say, listen, you got to catch this. It doesn't say all of our bad deeds. It says the best about us compared to God's righteousness is still a filthy rag. Now, I am not saying not to be righteous. I'm not saying not to live a righteous life or not to do righteous deeds. not saying that. Yes, we should do that. Absolutely, we should do righteous deeds. What I'm saying is when you compare our righteousness as our righteous deeds to God's holiness and righteousness, there's no comparison. That's what it's saying. Let me give you a poor analogy. Let me tell you why I say it's a poor analogy. I don't know of a good analogy to describe the righteousness of God. I really don't. I don't know if our human brains can wrap itself around the concept. Let me just give you a poor analogy. If you're standing on this earth, if you're standing on earth and you see an anthill next to Mount Everest, as you're standing on the earth, can you notice the difference in the height of the two? Can you? Sure you can. Now go 25,000 miles up into space. Go into space 25. Thousand miles, turn around and look back at the earth. Can you now notice the difference in the height of the anthill and Mount Everest? No, that's what I'm trying to show you is that when you talk about God's righteousness, it is so far and so high above our righteousness, we can't even get close to it. Even if your righteousness is like Mount Everest and mine is like the anthill. It doesn't matter in the sight of God. You may have done all these righteous deeds that I haven't done yet. Or, let me turn around the other way. Most of us feel like the anthill. Right? And we meet someone who's really righteous. And looks like Mount Everest to us. And so from earth we say, I could never be there. I could never be that high. Let me just tell you something. Compare Mount Everest to God's holiness. Doesn't even compare. Doesn't even compare. That's what this is telling us. So, they both owed... They both couldn't pay. Here's the third similarity. They both were freely forgiven. They both were freely forgiven. Verse 42. And when they had nothing with which to repay, He freely forgave them both. Now, let me just remind you, who is telling this story? Jesus. And when Jesus talks about forgiveness, Jesus uses the word freely. Right? He freely forgave them both. How did Jesus forgive them? Say it one more time. Freely. Did either one of them have to pay anything? Did the one who... Okay, now you only owe 50. I'm going to forgive you. You owe 500, so you're going to pay back at least 100. Because you owe more. I just want you to know that. No. He freely forgave them both. Now, I'm going to say a strong statement here. (laughs) One of the pastors told me last week, said, we all cringe when you say that. (laughs) I said, cringe on, because I'm just going to keep saying it. Listen, very carefully what I'm about to say. Jesus forgives more freely than we in the church like to admit. Let me say it another way. Jesus forgives more freely than we in the church like to forgive. We want people to pay for what they've done. Jesus said, you don't have to pay anything. Jesus forgives freely. He forgave them freely. All right, now we've talked about the similarities. Let's talk about the differences, some. All right? Jesus set these amounts. Is, Is that right? Jesus is the one telling the story. Jesus set the amount of 50 and 500. Jesus set those amounts. If 50 is the best, let's think about this for a minute. If 50 is the best. If 50 is going to church, reading your Bible, praying, tithing, treating your wife right, you know, all that. 50 is the best. If 500 is the worst, 500 is prostitution, adultery, murder, abuse. That's 500, all right? If 50 is the best and 500 is the worst, now don't say it out loud, but where would you rank yourself? Probably somewhere in between those two. I'm not the best, but I'm definitely not the worst. I know a lot of people who are a lot worse than I am. Okay? Well, I have maybe some shocking news for you. You're all 500s. All of you. Every one of you here are 500s. You know how I know that? Let me give you an example, and then I'll give you the Scripture. Years ago, Billy Graham was on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He was before Jay Leno. Some of you, I I didn't need to tell you, others were thinking, did he play the guitar? No, this is someone different. Okay. Johnny Carson is interviewing Billy Graham. He says, Dr. Graham, can I ask you a personal question? He said, sure. He said, have you ever broken one of the Ten Commandments? Billy Graham's answer was, I've broken all of them. I've broken all of them. Johnny Carson is shocked. What? Think think for a moment, just the Ten Commandments. Just run through the list in your mind. Adultery. He's saying this on national television. Murder. Johnny Carson said, "What, what do you mean you've broken all of them? He said, the Bible says if you've broken one, you've broken them all. You're guilty of all. He said, I've broken all of them and so have you, Johnny. And he shared the gospel right there on national television. He said, we've broken them all. That's why Jesus died on the cross, He said. Okay, listen to me. If we're all 500s, why did Jesus set these amounts? Why did Jesus Himself say, one owed 50 and one owed 500? I'm going to show you why. Look at verse 39 of Luke 7. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Him saw this, He spoke to Himself. Whom did he speak to? Himself. Saying, this man, if he were a prophet. Remember this phrase. If he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered. Do you see the word answered? Hello? Doesn't say, and Jesus said. It says, and Jesus answered answered and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. By the way, I think this is kind of humorous because Simon is thinking if he were a prophet. It's a pretty good prophet, didn't don't you think? <laughs> you know, if this guy were a prophet, Simon, I'm going to tell you something right now. But what does the Bible say? And Jesus answered. This story that Jesus tells is an answer to Simon's thoughts. He sets amounts of 50 and 500. Listen to me very carefully. This story does not teach what we in the church taught in the past that it teaches. Here's what we've interpreted. We've interpreted that some people owe more than others and some people owe less than others. And we've interpreted that those who have been forgiven the most will love more. This interpretation kept my wife in bondage for years. You know why? Because she looked at me, and here's what she felt. She felt, I can never love God as much as Robert does. I can never love God, because I haven't been forgiven for as much as he has. Listen, she got saved when she was nine. What do you get delivered from when you're nine? (laughs) Ice cream? (laughs) Ice cream? She looked at me and she saw the love that I had for God. And because of our misinterpretation of this passage, she said, I'll never love God like that. Well, here was my misinterpretation of passage. I'll never be as good as she is. She's a 50. I'm a 500. I'm married a 50. I love the 50, but I'll never be as good as the 50. I can't get to that level. Never. Now, listen to me carefully. Listen very carefully. This passage does not teach that there are some who are worse than others. This passage teaches that there are some who think they are better than others. That's what it teaches. The reason Jesus set the amounts is because this is what Simon was thinking. Simon was thinking, she's a 500. I just can't believe Jesus would let himself be touched by a 500. And I'm a fifty. And I can't even believe a 500's in my house. That's what he's thinking. And so Jesus says, Simon, I need to adjust your thinking. And here's what he says to him. Because you think that you've only been forgiven for 50, you will never love me as much as she does. But Simon, if you would understand that you're a 500 also, you could love me as much as this woman. See, Satan has two lies. You want to hear what they are? Here's the first lie You're better than others. You're better than others. You're better than other people. You're better than others. That's his first lie. What's his second lie then? You're worse than others. You're worse than others. And what's amazing is he can get you to believe both. That's how good he is. You meet someone and you're thinking, I'm better than this guy. (laughs) Say that right now, I'm better than you. Hey, how you? Oh, I'm a whole lot worse than she is. (laughs) Better than you? Worse than she is. Better than her? Worse than him. We go through life like that. You realize this affects everything you do? We're talking about loving God, right? He says, if you don't understand that you've been forgiven for much, you're not going to love me much. That's what he said. you understand? This is what the whole Bible is built on. The whole Bible. I'm going to prove it to you. Jesus himself said, the whole Bible can be summed up in two commandments. The whole Bible. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love others as yourself. Alright, listen to me. If you don't feel like you've been forgiven for much, you won't love God much. It affects your love for God. And if you feel like you're better than others, you won't love others. Or, if you feel like you're worse than others, here's what it says. Love your neighbor as you love others yourself. When you hate yourself, it's hard to love your neighbor. This is good preaching. If you're missing it, this is good preaching. This is one of the most amazing stories in the Bible, because here's what Jesus is saying. You're not getting it, Simon. You could love me as much as this prostitute loves me if you understood that it took just as much now listen to me very very carefully i'm going to prove to you that we don't owe different amounts i'm going to prove it to you it's very simple to prove we all owed the same amount do you know why because jesus paid the same for every person here he didn't pay 500 for me and 50 Debbie, I'm telling you, when I saw this, I came out of my quiet time. I wasn't studying for a message. This was in my quiet time. I came out of the quiet time. I was so excited. I didn't share the revelation right because I remember I said to Debbie, you're just as bad as I am. (laughs) I got it in the Bible. But it set her free. You know why? She started crying when I shared this because what she said was. I can love Jesus as much as you do. He paid the same for me that He paid for you. Now, one more thing I want to tell you, and I'm going to be more transparent with you than I've ever been before. And I, everyone tells me how transparent I am. I don't know any other way to be. But I'm going to tell you something. This woman came from behind. Why'd she come from behind? Shame. You know why she was ashamed? Because of her sin. I've told you I have a real bad past. I have a horrible past. I've told you about drugs and all that. I've even told you immorality. But that was the thing that I was most in bondage to was immorality. And God has so had to deliver me from shame. I was so in bondage, though, to immorality, I got saved, loved God with all my heart. But didn't understand about deliverance, didn't understand about inner healing, didn't understand about spirit baptism. And so even after I was saved, I was still in bondage to immorality, And so much in bondage that I had to come out of ministry and get that area of my life straightened up. Here's the reason that I'm telling you. Because here's what Satan does. If you've fallen after you've been saved, you can never reach God's destiny for your life. I live in proof you can. I'm living proof that you can be really messed up. You can make mistakes. Listen to me. I'm telling you that I messed up. God, by His grace, God, by His grace, I came out of ministry, got my life straightened up, got my family life straightened up, and now God is using me. Here's the reason. I argued with God about whether I should share that with you or not. But here's why I'm telling you. Because every person here has fallen since you've been saved. Some way, in some area, you've made a mistake. And here's what the devil says. Well, all of your sins, before you got saved, they're under the blood. Once you got saved, you should have known better. I just want to tell you something. All of our sins are under the blood. All of our sins are under the blood. And I want you to be set free today from shame. I walked with shame for years, for years, because of this thing that happened after I got saved. And I remember a person ministering to me, a good friend of mine. He said, Robert, you've got to get rid of this shame. And here's what I said to him. How can you not have shame when you have a shameful past? Very honest question. How can you not have shame when you have a shameful past? Here's what he said to me. Robert, your past has been washed away. It's not there. You don't have a shameful past. He said, Jesus has the shameful past. Jesus took your shame on the cross. So I'm here to tell you, if you messed up and all of you have, since you got saved, you can release that shame to Jesus today. You can receive forgiveness and you can still do something great for God. That's how wonderful He is. When He was on the cross, He knew you were going to sin before you got saved, and He knew you were going to sin after you got saved. And He died for those sins also. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Have you had a difficulty seeing yourself as only a 50? Seeing yourself as better than other people? Or have you had a difficulty seeing yourself as worse than other people? Jesus died. For every sin and the shame of every sin that we've ever committed or ever will commit. In a moment, we're going to have some leaders here at the altar. It's very easy for you to get saved at Gateway Church. Very easy. When we dismiss the service, you just slip out and come to one of the leaders. And by the way, if you serve on the altar ministry team, I know that you rotate, but we'll probably need everybody today. Because last night the altar was full. Because if you, if you still deal with shame, we want to pray for you. We want to minister to you. But especially, if you don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. We want to minister to you. We want to help you. If you're here today and you don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. We want to help you. Here's what I want you to do. When we dismiss in just a moment, you make your way to one of the leaders at the front. Or in a moment when Pastor David calls the leaders to come down, you can start. you can come down right then if you want to. And again, we're going to need all the altar ministry team leaders. If you're here today and you relate to my story, I had so many people talk to me after the services last night. Say, thank you for being honest with us. That's me. That's me. If that's you, let us pray for you. Let us help you. Let us minister to you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take this message and apply it to every person here. In Jesus' name, amen.